Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to episode number 310 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. Matt on the voice line tonight. We're not live on Twitch because uh, Steven Schneider's getting ready to prep some things. And, you know, it'd be kind of weird just you guys watching me in the studio. Plus, we're still figuring out some of our new equipment. So, we're doing it just recorded so you guys will hear this on Thursday. But uh, we got a lot to get into from the Sixers to the Flyers, the Phillies, and a whole lot of fun, weird news that we're trying to do the, the weird news segment a little bit because weird stuff keeps popping up each and every week. Uh, so we'll get to that to wrap up the show. But, of course, this show would not be possible without our awesome local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Douche Arms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, you guys know I wear them every single show, anytime I'm podcasting, editing, binging TV shows, watching our favorite sports teams do the damn thing. I'm rocking my Tomahawk Shades, the best blue light plus glasses on the market. Head over to TomahawkShades.com right now. Check out all the sunglasses, blue light plus glasses, everything they've got, the small batch collective, you name it, they've got it. And use our promo code at checkout, USP, to get 25% off your order. That's TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. A quality product for an affordable price. And guys, believe it or not, it is the month of March. Time is a flat circle. And, uh, you know, you got to get prepared for St. Patrick's Day with Manscaped. If you're going to get a little lucky, Manscaped is the global leader for below-the-waist grooming and the official sponsor of Underground Sports Philadelphia. To ensure you guys have the best tools for your family jewels, visit manscaped.com and use our code USP for 20% off and free international shipping. And you guys are in luck because the Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle included is the new pa- in the new package is their Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which is waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. And guys, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff, so why not use the best tools for the job here? This bundle includes the Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. You'll feel confident shaving your thunder down under. You guys can also get festive and safely shave a shamrock into your pubes. You and your partner will get lucky, all right. Their Lawnmower 3.0 will showcase your pot of gold like no other. Let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner, to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The performance package is the best value that Manscaped has to offer, and it's hot off the shelves. So get 20% off and free shipping with our code USP at manscaped.com. Also, every purchase at manscaped.com goes towards contributions made to the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. So get 20% off and free shipping with our code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. There's gold at the end of the rainbow with Manscaped. And guys, of course, our friends at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, also a proud sponsor of the show. They're the fastest growing craft spirit in Pennsylvania. They're headquartered in Old Kensington, Philadelphia, 
But they're currently closed due to COVID. But once that bad boy opens up, best believe we'll be there catching all of our favorite teams do the damn thing because they have a full bar, they have restaurants, and they offer distillery tours weekly. They're seven times distilled, certified gluten-free, blended with electrolytes, making it the first vodka on the market with a mineral composition on the same spectrum of electrolytes found in that sports drink that starts with a G. Plus, they're the first actively hydrating vodka on the market, and they've won awards for best package in the world. So you guys can get your stateside vodka right now by going to statesidevodka.com and use our code USP to get 10% off the one-liter vodka bottles at statesidevodka.com. Must be 21 or older to order. And, of course, please drink responsibly. What's going on, Matt? we got a lot to talk about. I am living the dream, as always. We uh, we got Sixers basketball tonight, last game before the break. And uh, hopefully we pound the Utah Jazz into the, the Wells Fargo Center court and assert our dominance and prove to Daryl Morey that we just need a little bit more help to put us over the edge and show that we have a five to ten percent chance of winning a championship like he wants. Yeah, this is a uh, this is a great matchup, obviously for lots of reasons. The two top teams in the conference. It's got the storyline that you want between uh, Simmons and Gobert now, between Defensive Player of the Year and Bead, obviously playing like an MVP. It's great, you know, two of the best home records as well. Like, there's so much going in this. If you go back to Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell and their Rookie of the Year campaign, there's just there's some uh, there's definitely a, a good little rivalry at least online between the Sixers and the Jazz. And yeah, I, I think it's an interesting matchup as well, just when you consider the quality of the two teams. So it's going to be a good one. It's a good one to kind of send us into the break. Uh, only if we win, though. If if we don't, then it's it's a terrible game, and I hate it. But yeah, if we lose, it doesn't count. But if we win, you know, it's it's one of our better wins of the season, especially since you know the the game just a couple weeks ago on that Monday night, you know, national televised game didn't really come out the way that we should have. Uh, ben Simmons missed that game, if I'm not mistaken. Ben Simmons played that game. That was, that was the great 42. Ben Simmons performance, and he missed that game That's to, right. uh, to his back soreness. So, uh, but healthy tonight, and Tobias is playing as well. So it's a much more, you know, uh, full affair tonight. You're getting, you're getting everyone involved, which is good. And I think, obviously – you want that between the two of the best teams in the league right now. Yeah, and especially coming off Monday's game where you just blitzkrieged the Pacers, like made them look foolish. Um, just a, a dominant performance, and that was a, a perfect way to bounce back from Saturday's just like appalling loss to the Cavs. Yeah, that's that's the kind of uh, comeback you want. We just can't beat the Cavs for some it reason. It makes no <laughs> sense. I don't know what it is with them. Every team has a team like this, though, where they just can't seem to be. And this is not a new thing with the Cavaliers either. We had some ugly losses to them last year, too. I, I don't know what it is. Their personnel, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't get why we can't get over the hump with them. But there's a frustrating loss about as frustrating as it gets. But, you know, those have been few and far between. We haven't had too many of those, like, hair pullers this season. Uh, whereas last year was definitely a much more regular occurrence. It felt like... Every other game, pretty much, we were were questioning how we lost or, or what went wrong. So, you know, the fact that those are becoming, you know, a little bit more rare, you can't really uh, rely on having those too often is a good sign. And yes, yeah, obviously, great as well to go in and, and beat Indiana because one, you know, they're another competitor in the East. But two, it's it's good to have that bounce back. That's one of the you know we talked about one of the strengths of this season in a way is that since the schedule so compacted. They maybe don't have such a good performance. There's a really easy way to just get out of your funk, and that's that you probably play in the next two days, and you can just keep it rolling and you know get your uh, rhythm right back. Yeah, and I mean, you look at just the way this team's been playing overall. I mean, taking out that Cavs game, the the second game against the Raptors, the Mavericks game, which the score doesn't really indicate how well they played, and then that Pacers game, they're hitting another stride where they're they're playing well on both ends of the court. And that's exciting, especially where we haven't had Tobias for a couple of games now. He's coming back and hopefully, you know, doesn't really miss too much of a beat uh, after the knee injury. And thankfully, there's no structural damage there. Um, but, you know, the Jazz and then you kind of get that layoff to reset, refocus. And hopefully Daryl Morey looks at this trade market, which a lot more rumors out there and, you know, speculations of what some of these quote unquote analysts want to see uh, the Sixers do, which we'll get into as well. But. I think it's going to be a nice little reset for this team after this game. Hopefully they come away with a win. You know, they're at home, take care of home court, and, uh, you know, go into the break on a high note. 
Yeah, that's that's a big thing as well. Is you know this team is going to have a pretty good amount of rest. Obviously, you have, you have all stars on this squad, but for the most part, everyone's going to get a little bit of a break, which I think is important, if not physically, certainly mentally. It's going to be obviously huge for Tobias as well. You know, it, in a way, it might be good that he's not an all star because it's going to give him just some solid time off. But overall, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting you know transition now because you're kind of going to start talking about you know roster decisions and roster moves with the Sixers and lots of other contenders and some teams that are throwing in the towel in this season. Um, you know, you're going to have like this layoff now where I'm sure you know normally the All Star Game is a hotbed for these types of trade talks because everyone can get in, you know, suites and executive boxes and talk, but obviously that's a little different this year. Um, but I, I, you know, obviously now with the GMs and all, and all the, the front office people having some extra time off, I'm sure we're going to probably see some advancement in, in, in trade talks and trade discussions. And yeah, it's certainly possible that you even get a trade over the all-star break. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it for the past couple of weeks where, we're not going to see much happen until after the All-Star break, but it certainly seems like Steam's picking up in a lot of places. And uh, ESPN Plus's, you know, NBA insiders, uh, they put out a graphic today for the ESPN NBA account saying five trades we want to see at the trade deadline, uh, two of them involving the Sixers, and one other team in the, uh, the hunt for the number one seed as well in the East. But the NBA insiders want to see Kyle Lowry to the Sixers, and they want to see Lou Williams reunited with uh, with the Sixers as well. And then they have J.J. Redick. They want to see go to the Brooklyn Nets, Aaron Gordon to the Timberwolves, and then John Collins, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, and the Hawks' 2021 first-round pick to the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, there's obviously the, the Sixers trades are interesting. Kyle Lowry's one that we've – you know, has been talked quite a bit about. There's plenty of smoke there. Even uh, Keith Pompey had a, an article about Kyle Lowry having Philly as like a potential destination for himself. Um, Lou Williams is a little bit more interesting. This is a trade that if you're in like 2017 or 2018 makes a lot more sense. I just think now he's not the player that I think rings in a lot of people's memory. Uh, that's certainly not to say that he's terrible by any means, but I think if you're talking about acquiring someone to to really add like that that next piece or that guy that's really missing i don't know that lou williams is exactly that anymore um and and i'm not unsure as well what his cost would even be because it's not like the clippers are in a position where you know he's on a pretty good contract obviously he hasn't been fantastic but they're not just going to part ways with him obviously right it's not a kyle lowry situation where he's on an expiring and you know some of the the talk about kyle lowry is that the Raptors are pretty committed to, you know, doing right by him and putting him in a situation where he wants to be. And that's a team that's a contender where, you know, obviously with Philadelphia local, local guy, right? Like that, that's going to be huge. I'm sure the fact that he's had to play this year in Tampa, you know, probably could add to that, you know, the, the want to just kind of go back to maybe familiar territory. This is all just speculation, of mm-hmm. course, but you know, yeah, I think Lou Williams again, is just, that's, that's not really, I, I think, the move that we should be looking to make. But Kyle Lowry, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's one I hope I hope does come to fruition. Yeah, and I mean, it is. I talked about it with Richie earlier this week on the the last episode we did. It's it's very weird to me that like the the Lowry stuff is out there because sure, a couple of weeks ago when we first kind of started talking about the rumors and the potential of bringing Kyle Lowry home, like the Raptors weren't even in the playoff picture. They're right in the thick of things as the five seed right now. And to me, like, if you're the Raptors, sure, you've been playing well while Kyle Lowry's injured and everything, and you want to do right by him. And sure, like, you could fall out of a playoff spot super quick because outside of the top three teams in the East with the Sixers, Nets, and Bucks, the Celtics are a game above 500, and then everyone else is 500 or below. So, like, the Eastern Conference playoff picture is pretty jumbled right now in terms of just, like, okay, who's a legit contender? Um, but I mean, with, with Kyle Lowry, if you're the Raptors and you're still, you know, in the thick of a playoff spot, do you want to trade him to a team that's also in the East that you could end up seeing in the playoffs? Right. I think that's a good way of looking at it. The thing that makes me think they could be interested in dealing Kyle Lowry is it very much sounds like he's not going to be a Raptor next year. Right. So if he's going to be expiring, if you're the Raptors, you know, that are, they're, in a transition kind of phase right now, they have like good young players. They're certainly going to be a, a good team for years to come. Um, if you can add, you know, maybe a prospect that you like 
from the Sixers, say a Tyrese Maxey or, or Thibel, or you get, you know, a first round pick back. That's, you know, something of value rather than letting him walk, you know, this summer. Right. You know, and, and, and that's the, the calculus that the Raptors have to make, which we can't, you know, know for sure, obviously what they're thinking of, what they exactly want. Um, I think you bring up absolutely good points that, of course, they could look at this situation and think, why would we trade him to a competitor? Why would we, you know, not just have him for a playoff run? Because if, any, if this season has shown us anything, is um, you, you, there's no predictability in the NBA this year. Anything could happen. You know, you could have you – know, what happens if we have a COVID protocol situation in the playoffs? You know, yeah. like that's going to be a huge point of contention. The Raptors themselves right now, you know, have, have COVID protocol issues. So, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe hang on to your guys and think, you know, why not keep a really, you know, good veteran as a good presence around the team for another playoff run and, and just see where it goes. So, yeah, you know, a lot of it is just going to depend on how uh, how the Raptors see their future. Um, but I do think it, it, signs are pointing towards Kyle Lowry not being back next year, which you know, would potentially be a feather in the cap for the Sixers because then, you know, the Raptors might be more inclined to just try and get, you know, something back for him potentially. But again, that's not a, a given or, or a certainty by any means. Yeah. Cause I mean, in a Lowry trade, and we've talked about this a ton over the past couple of weeks too, is like, you know, what would you give up? And it's almost certainly going to cost you to, to start, you're going to have to send Danny Green back to Toronto, um, which I don't know how that messes with the Danny Green's been on a championship team the last two years voodoo, but um, you know, he hasn't been playing, I think as well as, we expect him to over the last, I'd say, month where, you know, when he first got here, he was on fire. He was close to breaking a, a franchise record type thing with shooting threes and everything. But he's definitely cooled off, to say the least. You're going to probably have to uh, include, you know, one of the backup big men. More than likely, our guy Mike Scott would be involved in a Lowry trade. It's just super strange to me from a Sixers perspective, especially, you know, where we've talked about over the past couple of years too, where this team has gone through so much change and there hasn't been really like that, that known chemistry with the team. If you're giving up four or five guys for one player, uh, it's gonna, you know, I, I would assume it messes kind of with the chemistry, uh, to not have, you know, the depth that you have right now and sure you're not as deep as you'd want to be, but just putting, you know, what this franchise is built on with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons changing things up for them again for, you know, the hundredth time since 2018, it, it seems kind of weird to do, especially with how well they've been playing overall. I think I lost you for a second. If you could just, I, I didn't hear the last, the last part. Oh yeah. Just since like 2018, like the Sixers have had, you know, a hundred different iterations of, of this team, whether it's, you know, players on the roster or coaches or both, you know, it seems odd to want to potentially have to give up you know like four to five players that are on this roster right now when that's all you want to have for Embiid and Simmons is just you know known chemistry and just notoriety on the roster right that that has to be factored factored in as well as that you know you'd be making another kind of <laughs> change to the lineup when you know again this team hasn't had really four or five months of consistency since Embiid and, and Simmons have become like you know the stars that they are now um, that, uh, yeah, that obviously has to be factored in and, you know, you have to be thinking obviously for your future as well. And, you know, again, this team is ready to win a championship in the next two to three years. That's, that's clearly the way they're built. And you have a, a, an MVP candidate in a bead, a defensive player of the year candidate in Ben Simmons. If there was a time to quote unquote, go all in and try and get like that piece that you feel if you're Daryl Morey is going to get you to those best championship odds, then this is definitely the season to do it. You know, I, I, you're not going to get situations like this very often. So that's, again, there's, there's a lot of decisions, a lot of variables that need to be worked out by, you know, both the front offices in Toronto and Philly and really any contender this year in terms of how far you want to go in, especially because, you know, what we just talked about, it's a lot of variability in this season. You can make all the right roster decisions you want, but if someone gets COVID in June or July, that disrupts your playoff, you know, no one's going to care that you lost the playoff series because of COVID protocols. They're just going to care that you lost the playoff series. So that's, again, you know, that's obviously not going to be the main deciding factor, but there is that kind of variability this year that doesn't really exist in other seasons, you know, where there is still some circumstances that can happen to you. Right. And I think the other question that Daryl and Elton and the rest of the front office have to ask themselves is, 
is Kyle Lowry that piece? Yeah, I, again, I, I think Kyle Lowry definitely can be that piece. Um, I think with the way the roster is currently constructed, yes. But, you know, you also have to think about the future. He's he's an aging star. Typically, guards don't age wonderfully. But, he, you know, he still is playing at a, at a pretty high level now and playing effectively and, and good basketball. So you have to believe that you know, at least the next year or two of his career is going to look pretty good. But, yeah, I, I think it's, it's naive to say that, you know, it's not a, a question mark or a concern about how, you know, he fits in in the future. But, again, with the way the Sixers are built, the only way you're going to be able to add anyone of value is through trade. You don't, you're not going to really have the luxury of going out and signing, signing any free agents in, in the next few years, unless, you know, you really start blowing things up or, you know, again, you know, another possibility that's been thrown around is getting off Tobias with a Kyle Lowry trade, right? You know, that, that could be obviously be a huge move. And I, I don't know if it'd be the right one, but you know, again, you, you could have some value there by creating cap space for yourself for the future, a little bit more flexibility, but that's all things that are going to be factored in. And the great thing is, is we now have Daryl Morey making those decisions, uh, which makes me feel a lot more comfortable than if this was like a uh, Elton brand by committee that yes. we had the last few years. So that's, that's a bright spot. You know, I, I think everyone should see it that way is that um, Daryl Morey, I, I trust a lot to make these kind of calls. I, I just personally think that yeah, like this is this is um this is the guy I want making the decisions here. And I don't know if it's tampering or not, but Kyle Lowry posted on his Instagram story today. Uh, he got a care package of a whole bunch of goodies from the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and said we got to be. Uh, he said got a care package today from the home team. Uh, we got to be ready for next season. Tag the Eagles in it. And uh, don't know if he's talking about the Eagles or if he's talking about the home team being playing at Wells Fargo Center. Hey, hey you. Yeah, you listening to this podcast right now. You're listening to an Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast. You should probably know that we have an entire catalog of podcasts on this network. So what I want you to do right now, once you finish this episode, after you finish subscribing leaving a five-star review down in the Apple Podcast section. I want you to search Underground Sports Philadelphia and go check out our catalog of podcasts, especially our flagship TV and movie podcast for streaming services called Streamer Season. We have breakdowns of amazing shows coming out weekly. You should definitely check it out. That's Streamer SZN. Search it on your favorite podcast app. And give us a follow on social media. You won't regret it. Check out all the awesome podcasts on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. And thank me later. Now, back to the show. I don't know. I think it, um yeah, I mean, again, that's that's obviously the easy link in all of this, too, is he's, he's a Philly guy. So, naturally, there's always going to be the kind of... I don't know, storyline that he'll return, right? You know, now as like a professional player um, and, and add something to the team. But yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good player. And again, I, I, think, I think the Sixers, he, he'd be a really, really good fit with us. And I think it'd be a, a really, really big acquisition. But again, you know, you have to weigh up a lot of things when you make a decision like that. And, um, you know, it's probably the most public and most talked about uh, trade piece that the Sixers have right now. Um, which makes me think that it could very well not happen because how many times have we just seen mm-hmm. things come out of nowhere? Uh, Daryl Morey's MO, this and you know, we don't have much to go on, obviously, it's very, very little. But Horford trade came out of nowhere, uh, the, the Josh Richardson for Seth Curry trade came out of nowhere. Like, you know, outside of Isaiah Joe, there hasn't been, and that's more of a, a bleed over from the last, um, your last regime, last front office kind of uh, runners. We, we, we haven't really had these like postmarked things, right? Signed, sealed, delivered, like this is happening. Um, you know, and, and it could very well be, you know, some kind of smokescreen or just, you know, just typical rumors. Again, it's not a very hard decision to look at Kyle Lowry, think, wow, he'd be good on the Sixers. He's from Philly. Let's make that link happen. Yeah. And I mean, I think one other thing that people forget is Daryl has familiarity with Kyle Lowry from Houston. Right. Right, so there, there's there's a lot there's a lot to to be involved here, and, and you know we'll we'll see it as as the weeks come, and um, you know 
obviously the Sixers are performing well on the court, which is the biggest part of all of this. Um, and and that's that's what truly matters at the end of the day is that they're, they're winning games still. Yeah, and soon they'll be doing it in front of fans uh, because the city of Philadelphia just got the the clearance to allow fans at Wells Fargo Center and at Citizens Bank Park. About 3,000-ish fans will be allowed to attend games at Wells Fargo Center. Uh, and I believe that's starting on Sunday with the Flyers, but we will have fans at Wells Fargo Center again for the first time in almost a year. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. You know, it's it's strange because we're pretty much at the year mark. It is funny that we're playing the Jazz tonight uh, yeah. because so much changed the night that we found out Rudy Gobert had COVID. Um, we found out Tom Hanks had COVID that night. Then uh, Trump went on TV and said he was, you know, closing whatever border. Like, it all just happened very quickly that things started getting shut down. Um, so now it's interesting that almost a year later now we're, we're seeing fans coming back into stadiums and things like that. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on the health risks or, or anything like that involved. Um, you know, I, I think it is good for the teams, though, because ultimately I, I think you know we, we can't lie to ourselves and say that uh, ticket revenue doesn't matter. Um, you know, teams need to be able to have fans in there to, to help support you know, their spending of money. Um, you know, I, for me, the only team I would personally feel comfortable going seeing is the Phillies because that's an outdoor situation. Correct. Still not Still entirely. Not yeah, I'm not really like on on the indoor mask scene just yet yeah. uh, with like a few thousand other people. Obviously, you'd be like really spread out. Um, it's not like you'd be like shoulder to shoulder with people like, you know, you, you normally were, but. Um, I still think for, for now, and even then the Phillies, that might be just be like a summertime thing, you know, uh, once, once we get there, but yeah, I mean, ultimately it's good because if, if things go well, if, you know, the vaccinations like they are going well, then ultimately that means we could just start getting back to normal again and start, you know, like going to games and, and having those experiences because let's face it, that's a lot of fun and we want those back in our life. So I'm choosing to, to look at this positively and think, you know, Let's let's hope it just goes well, <laughs> and and uh, why not? You know, right? There's smarter people than me making these decisions. I think um, so. Hopefully, hopefully that's the way it goes. Yeah, and I mean, when it comes to Philadelphia too, Tom Wolf came out and said that you know teachers are going to start getting vaccinations as early as next week. Um, you know, the government saying that there should be enough vaccines for everybody in the country by you know the month of May, which is two months ahead of schedule. So I mean. My hope is is that, you know, the Phillies are good enough. They're making the playoffs, and our first live sporting event we get to go to is a Phillies playoff game at Citizens Bank Park. I mean, that would certainly be uh, be special. I would love that. But, you know, it it's it's just um, – I, I think it's fair to be, like, optimistic about this situation, right? This doesn't feel like the Eagles in, like, October saying right. we're going to have, like, 5,000 people. It feels more like – feels much more sustainable right because we we have vaccines now right like we know that especially like with outdoor stuff that it's it's safer than being indoors so it feels certainly much much different um than than anything else before any kind of previous like reopening types of situations where it's been like i don't know about this yeah and uh speaking of the phillies they're back games are being played down in clearwater uh and and things are just like normal matt we've got the bullpen getting Blitzkrieg to to start spring training, which it's spring training. We're we're just having fun with it. But I got a push notification today during the game that uh, Juan Ivan Nova was was coming in out of the bullpen, and uh, his current ERA at the time going into the game was one hundred thirty five. What? How does that even happen? <laughs> I tweeted it out and I said this has to be a record, right? Like, I had never seen an ERA over 100 ever in Major League Baseball, let alone 135, and it being, like, publicized on the MLB at bat app. I think there was there's someone there that was like, people have to see this. Like, <laughs> someone someone else has to know that this is going on. It's like, um, I'm sending this out. All of you need to see this. Right. Uh, that's obscene. <laughs> My <laughs> life was a little better before I knew that fact, but... Yeah, it's, it's good to have the Phillies back playing. You know, spring training is kind of what you make of it. You know, you can pour as much meaning into it or out of it as you'd like. Ultimately, 
they're they're preseason games. There's not a ton to get there. It's just a little taster to, to have baseball back in your life, and that's that's always the way I've looked at it, and 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 really nothing more. So, you know, you win games, you lose games in in spring training. It's no big deal. It's just about guys staying healthy and and getting back into rhythm. That's that's the most important part of it all. Yeah, I mean, they got their first spring training win today against the Tigers, four to two. Zach Eflin uh, allegedly looked good because there was no TV broadcast. Went two innings, got three strikeouts. That's what we want to see from Zach Eflin in these kind of like abbreviated appearances, uh, you know, during spring training that we're going to get little tastes of all of these starting pitchers that we're excited to see. But if Zach Eflin can dominate, you know, the way that he did in just two innings, getting three strikeouts uh, and put together quality performances all season long, we got ourselves a winner in that number three spot in the rotation. Yeah, I think the the big part might be playing uh, the Tigers as well. That might that too. <laughs> although we can play the Tigers uh, a lot, that might help us. Although uh, you know that that first game of spring training was not all too kind to the Phillies against the Tigers when they lost ten to two. But uh, you know that that's kind of you and I's biggest question mark, I'd say. But it's a, a positive question mark because we know what Zach Eflin can bring to the table. It's not like it's a a true unknown. But we just want to see him take that next step. And if he can do that with the new pitching coach with Caleb Cottom uh, this year and, and really show that like he can be that number three guy and we can have a reliable one, two, three punch, that's what we are kind of like just longing for and, and need that answer before we can feel like any sort of confidence past Zach Wheeler in the rotation. Hey, I want to thank you the listener, for checking out an Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast. If you've been rocking with us for any amount of time, you know we have a whole catalog of podcasts, a number of franchises under our umbrella, and I want you to do me a favor. Once you're done listening to this episode, once you're done subscribing, leaving a five-star rating or review on the Apple Podcast feed, like we know you always do, I want you to hop over and check out the Outside the Box podcast, on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. It's our flagship pro lacrosse podcast. Ton of fun stuff, amazing interviews, content. We know that lacrosse, you know, we're still in a bit of a limbo period, but hey, do us a favor, check it out, subscribe, leave a five-star review, and maybe learn about the sport of the future. And with that, let's get back to the show. Yeah, with... with Definitely, it's it's all about consistency. Mm-hmm. That's that's the huge aspect to this uh, that hasn't really happened yet. Um, that's not to say that it can't, right? But right. you know, you, you have to start. You have to be a little skeptical about the the reality of, of him becoming like a really dominant starter um, when he just hasn't shown it outside of some flashes here and there. You know, we've we've had you know really good outings from him followed by disastrous ones. So, you know, you can't really rely on a guy like that. Um, you know, to be like a full-time starter. So hopefully, you know, I'm obviously rooting for him, <laughs> you know, like that's, you know, that's, that's a given, but I, I just think it's, it's a believe it when I see it type of thing, obviously, you know, again, it's spring training. You don't want to pour too much into how people perform too much in, in, in these games, but it's good, you know, for his confidence level and consistency, if he's having, you know, good outings now, because that hopefully you know, bleeds itself into, into April and May. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I get a lot. I've gotten texts from a, a few of our mutual friends, Ryan Jones included, almost every day uh, since spring training started. With the the question that everybody continues to ask about, because it's been pretty you know prevalent in Philly's news over the past couple of days since he's arrived at spring training. He's played in a couple games. The whole Oduble Herrera situation. Um, he spoke to the media the other day. I don't know if you got a chance to see any of the quotes, but what did you make of, you know, what he had to say to the media? I did, I did not catch what Oduble had to say. Um, I I can't imagine him saying much that would make me change my opinion of him <laughs> or my opinion of having him with the team. But, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to, to see what he had to say though. So uh, he says he's trying to build back trust with everyone. Quote, I feel sorry because I made a big mistake. I feel like some people will never forgive me, and I understand that. He's also had a number of his teammates, which I feel like is kind of like commonplace because the guy is still in camp, um, just coming out and saying, you know, 
people deserve a, a second chance and kind of the the typical you know responses to the media and stuff like that but I mean he's played in I think one game so far started in right field uh on Tuesday I mean I I don't see a way that he makes this team and we we've said this before I I personally think there's four guys in front of him to even have a chance of sniffing making a roster like I think Adam Hazley right now is the front runner I think Scott Kingry's going to get burned in center field. I think Mickey Moniak has a better chance of playing than Odubel Herrera. And then obviously Roman Quinn is, is loved by this coaching staff. Um, hopefully he can start making contact with the ball so he can get on base and use his talents. But I think there's four guys legitimately in front of Odubel Herrera right now before he even sniffs making the roster. Yeah, that's, that's a big thing too is um, this guy hasn't played for some time now. Uh, he wasn't like – you know, his time before his his uh, his incident was also like marred in inconsistency and question marks about his ability and you know things like that. So it's not like this is a guy that's like returning. That's like ah, oh, well, you know, like you make your do because he's talented. Like there's a lot of reasons to not want Odubel Herrera on on your roster necessarily, right? Like so, you know, you're gonna have to. It's gonna have to be a very very talented showing for him to kind of overcome those obstacles. With lots of fans, I, I don't know that he'll ever have like the same standing that he did. He, he won't with me, but you know, ultimately, it's not my choice if he makes this roster or not. You know, I, I don't have control over that. Right, and I totally agree. Like he's totally out of favor with me. Like if it were my choice, he wouldn't be on the roster at all. Um, but again, like I, I personally think those four guys that I mentioned are far ahead of him on the depth chart. Um, and if anything, like he's going to be down in the minor leagues until they can find a way to get out of the contract that he signed to, um, which I believe expires this year. So I wouldn't be shocked if there's an attempt to potentially try to trade him before the season starts or something like that and try to get, you know, some sort of value out of uh, moving on from him. But it, we've said it for weeks now. There's, I don't think there's a way he makes the team. Yeah, and, and I think you're right too. Like this could just be a, um, you know, kind of like a, we're going to show him off and show that he's still a talent and that he's remorseful and maybe a team will, you know, look at a rehab project and, and think that they can get him on the cheap and we can get out of his contract. That might also be some of the thinking here as well. Yeah. One guy I do want to make this team, especially after uh, one of his quotes this week is uh minor league free agent going to more than likely make the roster. Bryce Harper's BFF, Brandon Kinsler. Uh, <laughs> he had a quote I'm pretty sure this was from MLB.com or a Zoom conference or something, and he said, uh, are we allowed to cuss in this? Kinsler asked him. It didn't matter. The 36-year-old righty was provoked. Quote, my mentality, he said, is basically just, fuck you. You're not fucking beating me today. You're not going to beat us today. As soon as we get the lead, we're going to come out. We're going to shove it up your ass. And if a guy gets in trouble, then the next guy needs to fucking shove it up your ass. And you know what? I think we needed a little more of that on this Phillies team. That's what I said. We we need that in the bullpen. We need we need some hard nosed guys. We need some some salty guys. Um, I respect it. You know what? You got to be a little bit of a psycho to be a pitcher, and I'm glad we have one. <laughs> so, you know, rile up the guys a bit. Let's let's rally the troops and uh, let's go to work in that bullpen because we all know last year if we won, you know, just six of the games that the bullpen blew, we'd be in the playoffs. Right. Right. We had just an average, <laughs> average bullpen. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, when when he signed, we talked about it. He signed a, a minor league contract with an invite to spring training, but if he makes the roster, he gets $3 million. You don't sign a, a veteran like that to a contract uh, if you don't plan on getting him on the roster. And he's a guy that I think is going to be elevated as soon as they put a guy like Sir Anthony Dominguez on the injured list. Um, but he's a veteran. He's closed before in Major League Baseball. And that's what we want from these guys that they've been, you know, kind of giving these minor league deals to and just signing and trading for is like you've thrown, you know, consistent innings in a bullpen in major league baseball. Great. Come on board. Right. Exactly. That's, that's the big thing too, is just having, you know, so much of the the issues last year as well was inexperienced, not even just lack of talent. Like these guys were, you know, having their, their first, you know, pitches at the major yeah. league level. And that's, that's a whole other issue, right? If, if a guy isn't good enough, right. Or if he's just struggling a bit, you know, 
that's one thing. It's it's another thing when they have like a confidence issue as well, because this is literally the first time that they're seeing, you know, big league action. Yeah, and I mean you're gonna have guys in this bullpen that that came up last year and were kind of just thrown into the fire because the bullpen was so bad, like a Jojo Romero, um, who I think is gonna be a, a pivotal piece to this bullpen. But now you brought in some of these veterans like Kinsler, like Archie Bradley, uh Hector Rondone is also in the fold who won a World Series with the Cubs. He's a guy that I think could also be placed on the active roster once some, you know, moves get made and everything. But the way that this bullpen is coming, you know, into being what we think it will be to start the season, I'm I'm feeling a lot better about the back end there. And like we've said, we're just kind of worried about that four and five spot in the rotation once the season gets started. Yeah, and you know, I think the bullpen was the much more glaring issue. And now that that's been fixed, you know, you just want the next thing fixed. It's like having a, a, a leaky roof and like a broken window. You want the roof fixed first, but having the window fixed would also be really nice. <laughs> um, you know, but just one takes priority of the other. So now, yeah, you're in a position where you kind of say to yourself, like, all right, you know, maybe a fourth and fifth. I would say at this point, it's not going to happen until, you know, trade deadline kind of stuff. Right. But, um, yeah, the fact that we're going in now with a bullpen that I think, at least on paper, you know, again, we'll, we'll see through spring training how they look and things like that. You know, not that you, again, you can't tell too much from that, but um, at least on paper is a much, much better situation than we were uh, last year, uh, both on paper and in practice. Yeah, and I mean, I think the way you put it there is like the bullpen was the much more glaring issue especially since we have, you know, Nola Wheeler and Eflin, who we hope is going to take that next step this year, already on the roster. If you can kind of get by a bit with, you know, a, a combination of Chase Anderson, Matt Moore, Vince Velasquez in the 4-5 spot up until, you know, June, July when the trade deadline gets closer and then maybe push some chips in the middle for uh, a guy who can plug into that number three spot or even number two spot depending on, you know, what team situations are and where they are in the standings come the trade deadline, I think that's a much more easier thing to accomplish than going out and getting, you know, one really good bullpen arm that you're going to probably have to overpay for just because of how the bullpen landscape is in baseball now, or having to go get two, you know, really quality guys that you'd still have to give up more for than just one, you know, certified starting pitcher for your rotation. Right. And, you know, those are things that as the season goes on, you can identify a little more clearly, like where you actually need to help, who's taking improvements. And then, you know, you can look around the league as well and, and hopefully find find suitors. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm not happy with the, the position that the Phillies are going into the season with with all this, because, you know, this isn't a new issue. It's not like, you know, we just lost guys to injury or like opting out or something like it's been very obvious now for a few years that we've needed help in these positions and we're just now starting to make tangible change. Um, so obviously I wish it was, we were in a better position, but you know, it's also better than we were. So that's good at least. Yeah. And I mean the, the biggest thing going into the season two, we talked about when the schedule came out is your first like 13, 14 games are against the Mets and Braves and that's it. So like the division tone for the first couple of months can be set probably within the first two weeks of the season being started if you get off to a hot start or a bad start because you're playing the two teams that everybody's already saying are automatically in front of you in the division standings going into the year. Right, and and the, the Mets are still a, a believe-it-when-I-see-it type of situation. The Braves, I, I believe in, they're a good team, but the Mets, you know, I just, I've heard it so much in my life that they're good and they're going to be good and they it is very often art. I know there's lots of reasons to be positive about the Mets now. Uh, this, is, this is like a, a different kind of ownership group, and they're actually spending money and things like that. But, I, you know, let me see it first. <laughs> let me see it first. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the Phillies' first few games uh, looks like their first six are at home, which they're doing that stupid thing again, Matt, where Thursday home opener and then they're off on Friday. Uh, just start the season on Friday, play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But, uh three against the Braves at home and then three against the Mets at home before you go on the road for three against the Braves and then uh, four against the Mets at City Field. That's a, a big – that's your, you know, first half of the season right there. And then uh, to end the month of April, there's a game against the Mets as well. So you're playing the Mets a whole lot to start the year and then also having those six games against the Braves 
you kind of have to set the tone really early for this season with the amount of you know divisional games against those two teams especially uh if you're the Phillies and like you're also playing the Cardinals who are a perennially good team just got Nolan Arenado in the fold as well and then you play against the Giants and the Rockies uh as the other teams so there's a lot of talent that the Phillies are going to have to face early in the season and if they get off to a bad start there's going to be a lot of you know digging themselves out of deeper holes than they probably expected there's one thing that Phillies have taught us over the last year, two years, is that the, the series against the, the more difficult teams are actually the ones where the Phillies seem to play the best, or at least, you know, yeah. they perform pretty well. It's it's more the Marlins series that I'm worried about this year and, you know, all, all those, because those are, are the games. It's the ones that we should be having, that we should be winning or, or winning three out of four that just haven't gone uh, the, the Phillies' way these past few seasons. So hopefully... Hopefully that changes. That would be nice. Especially since the Marlins are a much more improved team than they have been over the past couple of years when the Phillies should have been destroying them. They're a lot better of a team all around than they were, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020. Right. So hopefully hopefully the Phillies get it together this season when it comes to kind of uh, beating bottom of the barrel kind of stuff here. And luckily they don't play the Marlins until the middle of May, so they get kind of a reprieve there. And best part about it, the first time they play them is at Citizens Bank Park, so they don't have to go down to Miami, where they seem to struggle even more against the Marlins. Well, it, you know, I, I will say the Marlins, they won't have much of a difference when it comes to their, their stadium again this year with, <laughs> with it being empty. It is, uh, it's kind of status quo there down in Miami. So, like, you, yeah, you make a great point, though. It's like the one team that they truly do struggle against all the time for whatever reason is the Marlins, and... They, they need to improve upon that because if they did that over the last two years, again, outside of the bullpen was if they would have just beat the Marlins, they would have been in the playoffs. Right. You know, so there's there's very obvious like areas of improvement for the Phillies, which is good because they're all, they're all areas that you have to believe that they can actually get better at, <laughs> that they can actually beat the Marlins, that there's no way that they'll have the worst bullpen in baseball again. Like, you know, these are all like baselines that you feel that this, the the Phillies should be able to, to hit. Exactly. And although the Phillies might not have the worst bullpen in baseball, one of the teams in Philadelphia might have one of the worst defenses in all of hockey. Uh, just when we thought things were going right for the Flyers, back-to-back shutouts against the Sabres, but then you come to your senses and realize it's the Sabres. Uh, they get absolutely smashed in the teeth by the Penguins on Tuesday night, five to two. Uh, it's not getting any easier because you got two more against the Penguins still in Pittsburgh. First time the Flyers have played in front of fans was just on Tuesday night. Um, but I mean, these next three games, and you know, outside of Tuesday night's loss, are both against the Penguins and then Sunday against the Capitals at Wells Fargo Center in front of Flyers fans for the first time in almost a year. But these are the kinds of games that you need your defense to step up and it just seems like no matter what it is, the Flyers defense is just non-existent this year. Yeah. I, I, I wish we had the, the remedy for this, but um, it's, it's been, uh, it's been rough. It's been rough viewing. It's strange too, because in the last few years, I think one of the, our defensive prospects and young defensemen and how good this team can be. And, you know, the the rise of Carter Hart in this year has not really um, it's not really felt like that, and hasn't and it certainly hasn't shown itself to be that way when you when you look at the numbers, which is definitely concerning. Because again, you know, we talked about beginning of this year, they certainly started out pretty well, but the performances weren't there. Now you're seeing the performances kind of match up with where, yeah, the, I'm sorry, the results kind of match up with where those performances were, and that's. Um, that's when things now get a little bit hairy if, if you're if you're rooting for the Flyers. Yeah, because, I mean, they're scoring goals at a, a pretty quality rate, third most goals in the East behind uh, just the Capitals and the Penguins, but they're giving up a, a metric ton of goals. They've given up 59 to the 63 they've scored, and even guys like Ivan Provorov are, are struggling, kind of just look lost out there, and... I'm I'm hoping Chuck Fletcher is just realizing how bad this defense is and has a number of teams on speed dial right now to hopefully pull off some trades because like you said over the past you know three four years we've been pitched on this idea that the Flyers have so many you know high quality defensive prospects 
and it just hasn't come to fruition yet or potentially never will. Um, but they need to do something if they want to even have a shot at making the playoffs and even surviving in the playoffs because the way that they're just kind of leaving Carter Hart and Brian Elliott out to dry is very concerning. Yeah, it's um, that's that's the big issue too is you don't want to take someone like Carter Hart taking out. I mean, he's gotten good performances out of Brian Elliott this year too. You know, and again, you, you can't can't waste those opportunities. You can't waste those performances by you know just having having just really really like poor positioning like we've had so much of this year. Yeah, it's it's concerning to say the least, especially since it seemed like it was only happening against the Bruins, but now we see it against a team like the Penguins, who the Flyers limited to five goals over two games to start the season. Um, something needs to change, and it needs to change quick. And hopefully, Chuck Fletcher gets on the phone before we know it, and there's you know kind of a shakeup or somebody gets you know has to sit for a night like they did with Travis Konechny earlier in the year, and you know figure some things out because you can't rely on. Just the one line of, you know, Joel Farabee, Kevin Hayes, and, and James Van Reems like to be doing everything for you. And then everybody else kind of just being invisible and, and expecting to go out and win games. Yeah, exactly. There hasn't been enough uh, sharing the load, sharing the burden uh, this year. There's definitely been a, a you know, an over, over expectation or like an overburden on some of these guys, which is not, not great. Yeah. And, uh, before we uh before we wrap up, we got the the weird news stories that have just seemed to pop up in droves over the past couple of weeks. Matt, have you seen the story about the uh, the kid who just kind of robbed Nike right under their noses using a former vice president of North America, uh, his mom, her credit card to use bots to just buy up all the uh, the rare collectible Nike sneakers. I I did, which is um. Insane story. Uh, I guess not too surprising though. I, I I'm sure this goes on a lot more than than we realize in like spaces like this with like secondary markets and stuff like that. Um, but this seemed like an egregious example when you see the pictures that this uh, guy was taking with, you know, all of the all of the merchandise that he had left over. But um, yeah, uh, this is what happens when you have unchecked privilege and uh, pretty much endless funds with, with which to use your privilege as much as you'd like. In one ironic way, this was checked privilege because it was Nike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but very good, very this, good. This guy, he had like an entire warehouse just chilling in his backyard, filled with Nike boxes, used his mom's credit card, and almost immediately his mom resigns from her position and like, that just makes me think that like there's a lot more if you dug just a bit deeper there's a lot more behind uh this kid just simply using his mom's credit card there's got to be a lot more of these instances happening here where he was just you know going above and beyond buying up all these sneakers and using bots to do it yeah it, and again you know you see this a lot with the the secondary markets where they're you know they limit shoe sales to one per person or whatever um you know, it's just that this guy was able to to get around that. Um, yeah, and you wonder if somehow because his mom was uh, the person that she was, that maybe he gets an advantage some way. Who knows? But yeah, it's it's not a good look for for anyone really. But um, it is weirdly funny in a way. Extremely odd, and like you said, weirdly funny. And I think one thing we haven't talked about on this show at all yet since the craze like took off is the. Uh, the NBA top shots. I wanted to get your your thoughts on uh, digital trading cards. Is essentially what people are calling them. I don't know if I'm a boomer or what. I I just don't get it. <laughs> Me either. I just I don't listen. I'm not knocking it. If you're into it, you're into it. That's cool. Um, it just isn't for me. <laughs> I don't know. I I you know I get like uh, like cards and stuff like that and memorabilia. I get all of it. You know, I get a lot of the collecting stuff. It's what you like. It's what you like. To me, it just feels like it's the same way that when someone tries to explain cryptocurrency to me, mm -hmm. it's like, but like, but why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but why are you doing this? So yeah, I um, I don't really understand it, and I I don't get the uh, the hype. But you know what? Maybe I'm not meant to, and that's fine. And here's the thing with it, too, is, like, I understand that it's, like, built with the whole cryptocurrency thing, so it's, like, two worlds colliding into one. But when it's something that's digital, 
and where our world and like how we even operate for this podcast where we quote unquote work on the internet is at the the it's in your palms every single day with your phone like you can look these highlights up on YouTube you can look them up on Twitter it's not like they're like these exclusive things like a a physical like baseball card that you can hold or like a physical like Pokemon card that have gone to the moon with their right. prices I, I don't, and you know, there's there's no scarcity either, which which confuses mm-hmm. me. It's not like these things are out of print, uh, or you know, like again with the Pokemon card example, like you know, this was 20 years ago. There's not many of these, you know, unopened left, right? Like that's I I don't know. I, again, I don't know if I'm just being a boomer about it or what. I'm glad you feel the same way. Um, uh, I just I don't understand it. But again, maybe I'm not meant to. If, if if it's what you're into and it brings you happiness, who am I to judge? It is it is pretty interesting that like the NBA like licensed it and everything and like they're on board with like the players association and stuff. Um maybe they're just, you know, much more galaxy brain than we are with this stuff, but it it does seem very weird that like something that you can simply look up on YouTube and I saw somebody talking about like, you know, what's the NBA going to do like take down like their YouTube highlights now since they're licensed all this stuff which would be catastrophically stupid um but i mean it is pretty interesting that the nba is like fully on board with all of this it is it is strange um i don't know what the the future holds for this uh market exactly (laughs) um it just it feels like you know again it could it could obviously be long-standing but it, it feels a little bit like a fad and perhaps people will be be out of it soon um I know like there's just I don't know it just it seems like money laundering too I've yes. seen a few like I've seen a few of these that had like uh the, the moments going for like thousands and thousands of dollars and they're like just very like average things and like that seems suspicious to me <laughs> yeah I saw I there's know. like a, a Kobe White like three-pointer or Kobe White dunk that's like twenty thousand dollars I'm like it's Kobe White like he's a cool dude and everything but 20 grand what are we doing here yeah, I, I think uh, I think some of these people are going to be going to H and R Block this month for their <laughs> tax returns, and and they're going to get some eyebrow raises at them. I think that's. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the uh, since you brought up money laundering. I'm just waiting for like the Top Shot mattress stores to pop up. Right. This is this is all very Ozark right now. I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is. It's what and like you said, it does feel like a fad where it's like one of those. We're still, you know, kind of in a, a weird state with the pandemic and everything. Let's try to get rich quick. It's like, you know, everyone was like on Animal Crossing for like mm-hmm. all of April last year. It's like, okay, like this is this is what we're doing again. We're just we're finding a new way to kind of spend our time. That's fine. Yeah. It's like we'll see these highlights when the team tweets them out and uh they'll be free. Right. Until you, until we, until teams start, you know, charging that Twitter premium that's coming out to watch highlights. <laughs> you have to spend uh, $3 a month to know the lineups before the game. Yeah. After the game is when you find out who's playing. Unless you have cable. It is, it is a wild time. Uh, any final thoughts though, Max? I think that's all we got. Uh, no thoughts, just vibes. Big, big vibes. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on social media at underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. You can follow me on Twitter at K B I Z Z L three one one. And make sure you guys check out the website underground sports, Philadelphia.com. We got another movie review from Christian coming out as you guys are listening to this with uh nomad land. Seems like a very fantastic film from what I've been told and from what I've seen. So excited to uh, check out his review there and uh, make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know who you want to see the Sixers end up trading for as the trade deadline looms. March 25th is the deadline, so it's creeping up super quick. How you're feeling about this Phillies team now that spring training is, you know, in full effect, who you want to see the Flyers potentially get to patch up this defense and anything else in between five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too. You can also check us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. We'll be back later this week talking about the Sixers, Flyers, Phillies, and uh, anything else weird that pops up in the news. But of course, this show would not be possible without our awesome sponsors, 
Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, the homies over at Tomahawk Shades. Protect those eyes. You only get one set of them in your lifetime. So get those Blue Light Plus glasses on when you're watching TV, watching your favorite sports teams, checking out, you know, podcasts and anything when you're staring at a screen. Protect your eyes. TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP for 25% off your order. Manscaped.com, check them out. They're the best in the business for men's below-the-waist grooming. Promo code USP at checkout gets you 20% off free shipping and a big old thank you from your balls. And, of course, our friends at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, StatesideVodka.com. On the one-liter vodka bottles, you can get our discount USP to get 10% off your order of the one liter vodka bottles must be 21 or older to order. And of course, please drink responsibly. This has been episode number 310 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. We are signing off. Peace.